Well, good morning and welcome to Crosstown. It's so good to see you guys. Anybody else just wish we could keep doing worship like for the next 45 minutes or is that just me? I mean, I absolutely love that. It is awesome to be with you guys this morning. For those of you who may be visiting, my name is Stacy McLean and my family and I have been calling Crosstown home for almost two decades. My husband, Chris, and my two children have um, been calling this place home and I am just excited to be with you guys this morning. Before we get into the message today though, I wanna just talk to you about what next week is. Does anyone know what's going on next Sunday? What, you guys already know it's Beast Fairy Fest, that's awesome. Yes, next Sunday happens to be the fifth Sunday of May, happens to be Memorial Day weekend, but most importantly, it's our second annual Beast Fairy Fest. And what that means, that's right, so, but what that means for us is we are not going to have a traditional 9.15 and an 11 o'clock service next week. This is real important for you guys because you're our early risers, you're our 9.15 people, and we love you and we appreciate you. But next week, we're kicking off at 10 a.m. From 10 to 1, we are gonna be on the front lawn. We've got music, we've got food, we've got artists, we're gonna be hanging out, come invite someone. We want people to experience what it's like just to be in community. We wanna serve our community. We want people to see, because I think sometimes people are afraid to come or to come into this building. I mean, it is kind of dark in here. It kind of looks weird from the outside. They're like, mm, I'm not sure about that. Maybe that's like my weird aunt that I don't wanna hang around at Thanksgiving. But what we wanna tell them is we're your cool cousin. So come, we're really not that weird. So this is a perfect opportunity for you to invite coworkers, friends. I promise we're not gonna be preaching at them. We're not gonna be doing anything. I'll be standing out at the Crosstown booth in my Crosstown t-shirt, but if they wanna just grab a coffee, listen to some music, do some shopping, uh, this is a perfect time. So next Sunday, no traditional 9.15 or 11 a.m. service. Just sleep in a little bit, grab a cup of coffee when you get here, do some shopping, and we're gonna hope for really great weather and a great time. We also are still looking for some volunteers, and since you guys are typically already here at 915, if you wanna um, sign up, you can go to the app and sign up to help us get everything ready and set up for that, and then I'll hit the 11 o'clock guys for cleanup, and you know you'd rather be the setup person than the cleanup person any day of the week, right? At least that's me, every time the email list would go out for school stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'll set up. I just don't wanna be there to clean up. So um, I invite you guys to be here next week and invite someone with you. Well, this morning, we're gonna be continuing in our series, Abide a Better Story. Several weeks ago, we started this series and Pastor Paul began reminding us that Christianity is not a system to be worked, that God is not something that we are going to work to try and get what we want. But I think for a lot of us, at least for myself, I noticed that I had fallen into that pattern of trying to work the system to do something to appease God to get what I want. And so through this series, we are learning that Jesus did not come to say, implement me. Jesus said, follow me, not implement me. We are to follow after Christ. We are to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, who is the establisher and finisher of our faith. We're not trying to implement a system to get a result that we want. And actually our mission statement here at Crosstown really resonates with this idea because at Crosstown, 
our church is here to help people become learners, lovers, and leaders in their relationship with Christ and the world around them. It is all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And our heart is to help you in that process and for us to come alongside each other and to encourage each other in our relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can show others what that relationship looks like. Jesus describes this healthy understanding of this relationship system. Jesus talks to us about it. I'm not saying there aren't things that we should be doing, but relationship has to take the primary spot when we are interacting with Jesus because he is a person. And this is what Jesus tells us in John 15. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus is describing this very beautiful, organic, growing relationship about us abiding in him and remaining in him. And at the heart of all of it, it is this idea of abiding, to remain, to stay connected relationally to Jesus Christ. That is what it's about. And as the branches remain in the vine, they flourish and they grow because healthy things grow. And that is what Jesus is describing there. That system of abiding in Christ, in relationship with him, when we abide in Christ, then there is this flourishing that happens in our lives and we get to experience life-giving and flourishment in our lives. When the relation connection fails, then if you remember the first week, we we get disconnected from the vine and we end up being a dead branch. Do you remember the first week that Pastor Paul talked about it? He brought out that big dead branch. And I think some of us, at least in some areas of our life, if we're honest, we feel like dead branches because that relationship aspect has broken down in our lives. And you know, I feel like I have a great relationship. I I really love to talk to the Lord and I love to listen to the Lord. But even over the last week, he has shown me areas where there've been some dead areas in my life where I'm just trying to work a system. And he's like, no, I want you to follow me. I want you to be in my presence. I want you to experience me. And that's what he's reminding us. Jesus calls us to abide. And so Pastor Paul's been going through the things that Jesus is asking us to abide in. He asks us to abide in his story. Jesus says to abide in his words, to abide in his promises, to to abide in his empowerment, his example, his principles, and his mission. These are the faithful things that Christ is inviting us to stay in, to stay connected to. And last week, we talked about learning how to abide in his word and how to stay connected to Christ through the word of God. And I hope a lot of you had opportunity to download the Bible app and start abiding in the word of God and letting the word of God abide in your hearts. Today, we're gonna move into talking about abiding in his empowerment. And right there, I know some of you automatically just thought to yourself, Oh yeah, finally, they're gonna talk about the Holy Ghost. This is gonna get good. Others of you thought, 
what is she talking about? I, nope, that makes me super nervous. Pastor Paul's not here and she's probably going off the rails, gonna talk about something that's crazy. And then others of you are like, what does that even mean to abide in his empowerment? And so today, that's what we're gonna talk about. And I just wanted to find what that is because I know when I hear abiding in the empowerment of God, I have a lot of ideas that run through my head. And so I just wanna lay it out there. This is what we're gonna be talking about today. To abide in his empowerment is to yield to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you. That's what we're gonna be talking about today, how we do this. If I ask you to explain that statement, what does it mean to yield to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you? I probably would get a lot of different responses from you. Because if I ask you to describe God, you could talk about a father. If I ask you to describe Jesus, you could talk about a son, because I, have a father, I have a son. But then when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, it's a little bit harder, wouldn't you agree, to try and describe the Holy Spirit? Because I'm not exactly sure, spirit, yes, I know I am a spirit and I'm flesh, but to describe that gets a little bit harder. And so today, my objective is to help us understand more clearly who the Holy Spirit is and what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. Before you freak out, I know I only have about 25 minutes left, okay? I got it, I, I, I know, it's a lot, but that's really the objective today. I want us to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. So the Holy Spirit, a lot of times we'll think about that and we think about the day of Pentecost. If you grew up in the church, um, well, not necessarily my background, but if you grew up in a church that talked about the Holy Spirit, then sometimes you would think about the Holy Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, and that is true. But I wanna show you the Holy Spirit was on the scene in Genesis 1. Listen to Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. As soon as we open God's word in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, we are told the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God was on the scene. So that gives us an indication a little bit more about the spirit of God. When I think about it, you know, I've never seen the wind but I know the wind exists because I've seen the effects of the wind. I have never with my eyes physically seen the Holy Spirit, but I have seen the effects of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I know the Holy Spirit is alive. I know the Holy Spirit is real. And the Holy Spirit is God. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God himself. He is the third person of the Trinity. And I know that is hard for our minds to comprehend, but it is the truth. He is not a power, he is not an energy, he's not some spiritual cosmic goo that is like a mist or um, something that we can't put into words. No, it's clear. Scripture teaches us the Holy Spirit is God. I read an alarming statistic this past week. It came out in September of 2021. It said 58% that's over half, 58% of self-identified Christians, people who claim to be Christ followers, 58% of them do not believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. They believe that the Holy Spirit is a symbol of the power of God or the Holy Spirit represents something, 
but they do not believe that the Holy Spirit is real and that the Holy Spirit is God. And if that's you this morning and you're like, yeah, I don't know that the Holy Spirit is God, I, I get that. It's hard to understand, but what I wanna encourage you to do is listen to what God's word teaches us in scripture and then begin believing God for who he is and that he has given us this Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not a symbol. He's not that energy. He's not an it. He is the third person of the Trinity. As a matter of fact, listen to what Jesus tells his disciple. This is the crux of what Jesus wants his disciples to know about the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is about to leave, and so he's talking to his disciples in John chapter 14, and he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus said, listen, I'm about to go, but I am gonna ask the Father and he is gonna send you the helper. So in everything that you think about with the Holy Spirit, I want you to remember, Jesus identifies him as the helper. He is the one that will help us. When we are in need, he will pray for us when we don't know how to pray. He intercedes on our behalf. He gives us wisdom. He gives us guidance. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. Jesus rightly defines that the Holy Spirit will dwell in his disciples. And that means for those of us who are in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Even if you have never really experienced him or don't think that you have experienced him, if you have given your life to Christ, then the Holy Spirit dwells in you. I love the idea that he remains in me, that idea of dwelling in me, that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. It's that same word that we read in our theme verse that we are to abide in Christ and Christ is to abide in us. The way that Christ continues to abide in us after his resurrection and ascension is through the Holy Spirit through God himself dwelling in us. See, if you know me, then you know that I love gifts. If you don't know, then my love language is gifts, okay? And I used to really feel bad about my love language being gifts because I was like, man, that's kinda shallow that my love language is gifts. But just this morning, you guys, a friend that knows me showed up at church this morning and she said, guess what, Stacy? I got a gift for you. This, I don't even know what it is, I'm so excited. I can't wait for church to be over because I'm gonna rip this thing open because I'm like, she brought me a gift today. And I used to feel really bad about the fact that I loved gifts as my love language. And then all of a sudden I read John 3.16. Y'all know what John 3.16 says? For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us a gift of his son, Jesus Christ. He gave us a gift. It's the greatest gift we've ever been given. And so in the same way, he wants to give us a gift. As a matter of fact, in Luke 11.13, Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this morning, God wants to give you the gift. He wants to present to you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you this gift today. Whether or not you realize you've ever experienced it, if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And hopefully by the end of today, through the power of the Holy Spirit, in a supernatural way, you will open that gift and begin experiencing the blessings and the benefits of the Spirit of God in our lives. That is my hope and my prayer as I've been 
working on this message all week, I have prayed earnestly for every single one of you that it would go beyond the words that I speak or the songs that the worship team sings or the smiles that the greeters give. All of those things work together. But if it isn't for the surpassing glory of Jesus Christ and the spirit of God moving, I can't do anything. It is gonna require him, but I know because his word tells me he will give us the Holy Spirit. But so I think for a lot of us, we walk around, we maybe you're here today and at some point in your life, you have accepted Christ as your savior and you have said, yes, I believe Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe he rose on the third day. And then we just walk around the rest of our lives kind of like, yeah, but I still feel anxious, depressed, bitter, I'm still struggling in marriage. I'm still struggling at work. And I think the reason that happens for some of us, it's like if someone wrote you a check for a million dollars and said, here you go, there's a check for a million dollars. And we put it in our back pocket and we keep walking around. That check has my name on it. And all I have to do is endorse it, take it to the bank and cash that check. And then I can use that money. Some of us have not cashed the check. Today, God is asking you to cash that check. He has given you the Holy Spirit and you just have not endorsed it yet. And we're gonna learn how to do that because it is a process. So I'm asking, be willing to cash that check today. Abide in his empowerment by yielding, that's our key word, by yielding to the indwelling spirit of God inside of you. Because it's our choice on whether or not we yield to the spirit of God inside of us. He's there, but we have a choice on whether or not we're gonna yield to the Spirit of God. So now that we've defined that the Holy Spirit is God himself, what's the benefit of the Holy Spirit? Well, there are a lot of benefits of the Holy Spirit, and I can't get into all of them today, so I'm just gonna hit a few highlights. And as I am gonna be talking about a few of these highlights of the Holy Spirit, the first one may not be the one you want it to be, because it was not the one I wanted it to be. (laughs) As a matter of fact, my husband said, really? That's how you're starting it out? Even Ricky this morning was like, yeah, she's coming out of the gate strong. And I said, I know. And I thought I shouldn't do this, but God said, no, this is what I want them to know. So one of the first things that we need to know about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit reveals sin. (laughs) See, see why I didn't want to start with that one? Who wants to talk about that? I'd rather not talk about my sin problem. You guys, let's get back to the power of the Spirit of God, right? No, the Holy Spirit reveals sin. And again, This is a precious gift to us. And when I tell you that the Holy Spirit that is dwelling inside of you is there to reveal sin to you, you probably think about the last thing that you're so ashamed of that you did. That is not the Spirit of God. The shame that you feel about that, that is not it. What the Holy Spirit does is he wants to bring conviction. He wants to remove that shame off of you. So when he reveals sin to us, there is no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 tells us that. No, Romans 8 actually says that there is no condemnation for those in Christ. It's the law of the spirit of life that has set us free. The spirit, the Holy Spirit of God has set us free. We do not have to walk around with shame heaped upon us. And that is a gift that the Holy Spirit is giving us. He is revealing to us. He is showing us those things in our life that are sin. But instead of yielding to that conviction, we bury it, we don't wanna talk about it, we wanna keep it in the dark, and then we feel shameful. And then we feel like we can't even come to church because, man, do you know what I did last night? Do you know what I said to my kids this morning? Do you know what, 
what I thought about that. We are embarrassed and we carry that shame and the Holy Spirit inside of you wants to shed light on those things to get that shame and that condemnation off of us because there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. You will never ever be able to get outside of the love of God, no matter what, but you sure can feel like you're separated from the love of God. And what happens, I think, a lot of times is we don't understand that it's God's kindness that draws us into repentance. And repentance means to turn away from my sin and to turn towards God. That's what repentance is. I know it's like a Bible Belt word and it's a church word, but it simply means to stop walking away and walking towards sin and then turn and walk towards God. And it's God's kindness that draws us in. It's God's grace that calls us in. But a lot of us think of it in negotiating terms. We, we use what Diedrich Bonhoeffer talked about as cheap grace. And I am so guilty of this. I'm just like, you know, it's fine. God loves me anyway, I'm gonna go to heaven and I'm gonna be good in heaven and so if I keep doing this thing, he loves me anyway. That is true, but that's a cheap grace that's gonna heap shame on you. It's gonna make you feel separated from God. It's gonna affect the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's gonna cause you to struggle with yielding to the power of God and you're gonna walk around feeling overwhelmed with gloom and darkness and God wants to set us free from that today. God wants to remind us that we need to be yielding to the Holy Spirit. Did you realize that you actually can resist the Spirit of God inside of you? You can actually quench the spirit of God, scripture tells us. As a matter of fact, Stephen, who was one of the very first martyrs of the church in Acts chapter seven, Stephen is before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders at the time, and he knows that he's about to be stoned to death because he has professed that Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ died for sins, was raised from the dead. And so Stephen goes through this whole long thing in chapter seven of Acts, telling the Sanhedrin the history of the Israelite people. Like they already knew, but he's reminding them. And then he gets to kind of the climax of it. And he basically says, let me tell you, the spirit of God cannot be contained to a building because the spirit of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. And Stephen goes on to say in Acts 7:51, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. See, I think sometimes we resist the Holy Spirit because it's weird, it's different, and we don't know what we're gonna do or what he's gonna ask us to do, and we feel like we can't trust him. I am here to tell you today, you can trust the Spirit of God more than you can trust yourself. Let every man be a liar and God be true. He is true, it is the Spirit of truth, it is the only truth and we can trust him so we don't have to resist the Holy Spirit. And a lot of us are like, well, I don't really resist the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm not that disobedient. I don't know what's wrong with you, Stacy, but I'm not that disobedient. No, but I do think we negotiate. Don't you think we negotiate with God sometimes? I mean, when's the last time you're doing something and you thought to yourself, yeah, I mean, I know this conversation's probably not the best conversation to have, or I know having this drink is not the best thing to do, or buying this thing, and I feel that little nudge that says, don't do this, but it's fine. I'm gonna do it this one last time. Or, you know, I know this isn't beneficial to me, but I'm gonna keep doing it. That's you resisting the Holy Spirit. That's me resisting the Holy Spirit. 
And the more we resist the Holy Spirit, the more we can quench the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to do that. We want to be open. Every time we don't do something that we feel a nudge, maybe we don't even know, we can't put our hands on it, but we're feeling that nudge to go this way or that way and we disobey it. That's that delayed obedience, it's disobedience. I tell my kids all the time, hey, if I tell you to do something, I need you to do it. Unless I tell you you can do it tomorrow, I need it done now. If you don't do what I tell you to do, that's delayed obedience is disobedience. How many times in my life has God said for me to do something and I'm like, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. No, that's me resisting the spirit of God. And you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but I don't even know if I'm hearing him. And I agree. There are times in my life where I was like, I don't know. I have this crazy story that has happened to me about it. But what the Lord has been telling me is stop resisting and start yielding. Stop resisting my spirit moving and start yielding. The way it started for me um, years ago, I was out shopping at Target. That's what I like to do for fun. And um, I saw this t-shirt, it was a $7 t-shirt. And I was like, that's a cute t-shirt. I'm gonna buy that t-shirt. And I picked it up off the rack and I went to drop it in my cart. And I got this little like nudge or I don't even know how to describe it, but I just felt like, no, don't buy that. And I was like, that's weird. I can afford a $7 t-shirt. I'm buying a $7 t-shirt. And it didn't come from, like, my husband would never tell me not to buy a t-shirt. He's extravagant when it comes to gifts for me, and I appreciate that. But I was like, yeah, no, I'm gonna buy the t-shirt. So I checked out, driving home, I just kept feeling like, no, you're not supposed to have the t-shirt. At that point, I had no, I had never thought, God's telling me not to buy the t-shirt. I don't know, is that God speaking? And so you know what I did? I called my mom because in the hierarchy of opinion that Pastor Paul talked about last week, guess what? My mama's got a good hierarchy of opinion in my life because I respect my mom. So I called her, I said, hey mom, it's real weird. I was at Target today and I was shopping and um, I bought this $7 t-shirt, but I kind of got this feeling like maybe God was telling me to like take the t-shirt back. That's crazy, isn't it? You know what my mom said? She said, Stacy, you better get in your car. You better go to Target. You better take that shirt back because if you don't, and it is the spirit of God, you're resisting him, you're quenching him, and you're not gonna be able to hear him as clearly next time. To this day, I have no idea whether or not God actually told me to take that shirt back, but you know what I can tell you? I have heard his voice louder and louder. I had to go back into Target, and I went to return the shirt, and the lady said, is there something wrong with it? And I said, no, ma'am. She said, well, then why are you returning it? And I said, well, because God, I think, told me to return it. And she looked at me like I was crazy. She said, I think I'm just gonna mark other on here. And I said, okay, you can just mark other then. (laughs) I was like, that's fine, You, you can mark other. But you know what? Since that time, I have continued to feel those nudges. See, I think a lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, at least in my um, understanding and example of the Holy Spirit, is we think about like the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire, speaking in tongues, miraculous healings, resurrection from the dead. And let me tell you, that is the Holy Spirit. And he can and will do that. As a matter of fact, about a month and a half ago, I was gathered with some women in my living room, praying and asking the Spirit of God to speak to us. And let me tell you, he fell in that room in a way that blew our mind. He does that, and I love that. But do you know the most consistent way the Spirit of God speaks to me? It's in a still, quiet voice every single day. It is consistent, little nudges day after day 
after day. And in the beginning, when I started hearing those, I wasn't sure if it was God or not, but I kept moving in the direction that maybe this is him, maybe this is him. And the more I have done that and the more obedient I have been in leaning into those little consistent nudges, the louder and louder and louder his voice has become to me, the more I'm able to understand it. So I just wanna encourage you today that if you're in that place and you don't feel like you've heard the spirit of God, ask him to speak to you about whatever he wants. Because if he wants to reveal some sin to your life, I wanna tell you this, you've heard me say this before probably, if God reveals it, he wants to heal it. So he is not there to reveal sin in our life to heap shame and condemnation on you. If he reveals some type of sin in your life, something that you're doing that is against the will that he has for your life, the best that he has for your life, it is because he wants to heal something inside of you. So lean into that. He doesn't wanna beat you up. He doesn't wanna smack you across the face. I know that may be the experience you've had with your own father in your past. That is not the kind of experience that you will receive from God himself through the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, one of the other things that the Spirit of God does is the Holy Spirit reveals God's truth to us. He turns the lights on for us. It's funny, uh, several years ago, my husband was on a mission trip in a very rural um, town in China. And this was such a rural town in China that he was in a hotel, but this hotel only had lights that would come on for maybe 45 minutes out of the day. They just didn't have electricity and power. And Chris said one day he was in the shower and all of a sudden the lights came on And he was like, please God, turn them back off because the bugs in the shower were everywhere. And as soon as the lights came on, there were bugs everywhere. But see, the Holy Spirit is going to light up the word of God for us. And some of us don't want it lit up in our lives because we don't want to know. But guess what? Whether or not you know what God's word says, if you are a child of God and you are not obeying his word, there are pitfalls that you're gonna fall into. There are bugs in your shower. So let the Holy Spirit turn the light on so you can see those bugs and avoid those bugs. I mean, Chris was like, I want the lights back off. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, man, I want them lights on so I can know where to step and stay away from those bugs. I don't want to see, I don't want to know that there are bugs there and I don't see it. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus said, in this world, you are going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He's overcome the world. And so he wants to light up his word. It's called the power of illumination. The Holy Spirit illuminates the word of God. Last week, we learned about how the Holy Spirit will illuminate the word of God, that we can read God's word and it divides between um, bone and marrow and it can know the intentions of our hearts. And that's the Holy Spirit. Have you read your Bible and thought, I don't know what this means. I don't understand it. Can I tell you how many times I've read my Bible and thought, I have no idea what that means. I have so many question marks in my Bible, literal. I will just write, what does that mean? And put a question mark next to it. And then I just ask God through the power of his Holy Spirit, show me. And sometimes he shows me right then. And sometimes it's a year later. I have notes in my Bible where there's a question mark, like I have no idea what that verse means. And then a year later, I go back and read it. And all of a sudden he starts dropping in my mind what it is. So if you're trying to read God's word, maybe you were really encouraged by what Pastor Paul said last week and you started reading the Bible, but you didn't stop and pause 
and ask the Spirit of God to illuminate it, to turn the lights on, I wanna encourage you, when you go into God's word this week, ask him, turn the lights on for me. Show me what you wanna say. I promise he will do it every single time. He illuminates the word of God to us. You know, I think a lot of us feel stuck in situations and we do go to God's word. I think, you know, you're not here on a Sunday morning because you don't want, some, you don't want to hear from God. I just don't believe that. I don't believe you're getting up on a Sunday morning just to do that, especially coming here. I think that you want to hear from God, but I think some of us feel stuck in um, anxiety. We feel stuck in unforgiveness. We feel stuck in hopelessness. And I think um, James chapter four really tells us why that happens to us. James chapter four kind of lays it out and says, you know why you quarrel and why you fight and why you're frustrated in relationships and why you're jealous and why you feel the way you feel? It's because the spirit of God within us wants to have control over our desires, but we're not gonna yield to it. I think a lot of times we get frustrated because we want God to do it this way. God, I've gone to church for a month now. Every, every Sunday for a month, I've gone to church, God, and you haven't done what I ask you to do. Maybe he has a better plan. <laughs> he tells me that all the time. Hey, Stacy, I got a better plan. And you know what he told me this morning? He said, you cannot contain me, you cannot constrain me, and you cannot contaminate me. You see, when I am gonna speak on a Sunday morning, I have a very systematic way that I prepare for speaking. And I get up at the same time, I drink my coffee in the same spot, I hear from the Lord in the same spot. But today, I woke up on Folly Beach because we're out there for a week. And I was like, how am I gonna hear you? And he was like, stop containing me, stop constraining me, and don't think that anything you did this week can contaminate me. I am a holy God. And not only can you not contaminate me, but my son Jesus Christ shed his blood to forgive you for your sins and you're already clean, so stop thinking that you can do that. But I think we approach God in a way where we think we can contain him, we can control him, we can constrain him, and we can contaminate him. You can't. He is otherly. He is powerful, and he loves you, and he wants a real personal relationship with you. So what I wanna encourage you to do, those disappointments, those discouragements, those disagreements that you're having, take them to God. Give them back to him and ask his Holy Spirit for wisdom and guidance. He is your helper. He has been given to you by Jesus Christ to come alongside and to help guide you. That is what he does. I love John 14, 26. When we talked about it, he says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he's gonna teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. He is going to remind you and he's going to teach you the truth of God's word. So what we are called to do, if you continue reading in James chapter four, we are, submit, we are called to submit to God, to surrender our will to that of the will of God, to yield to his power in our life. And when we do that and we draw near, he will draw near to us. That is a promise in God's word. If you feel far from God, ask God. God, I want to submit to you. What do you want me to do today? Don't worry about what he's gonna ask you to do next week or in a year from now. You know, 10 years ago, when I bought that $7 shirt and I took it back, if I had known that he, that was gonna mean that he was gonna ask me to stand in front of you and to give a sermon or a message about something, I probably would've been like, there ain't no way I can do that, Lord. But it was just those gentle, consistent steps of following him. 
So ask him today, what is it today that you have for me, Lord? The other thing that the Holy Spirit does is he gives glory to Christ. I love this J.I. Packer quote because the Holy Spirit is not about his own glory. J.I. Packer said, the Spirit's message is never look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me, but always look at him, see his glory, listen to him, hear his word, go to him and have life, get to know him and taste his joy of gift and peace. See, a lot of times I am guilty of wanting the Holy Spirit's power. I want all of the spectacular fireworks of the Holy Spirit. I wanna see all of that. But the Holy Spirit said, no, I am here to point you back to Christ. I am here to glorify Christ. When you think about how the power of the Spirit is in our lives, we are not gonna be seeking the Holy Spirit for power's sake so that we can wield that power over somebody else. That's not what we're here to do. When we are seeking the Holy Spirit, he is going to point us back to the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. It's the difference between Christmas lights and landscape lights. Christmas lights say, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I used to think that was me all the time. And that's not. It's a landscape light. The Holy Spirit is a landscape light. Look at that. Isn't it beautiful? That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's putting your attention back on Jesus Christ. And that is what, when you are pressing in, when you are asking God for the Spirit of God to move in your life, sometimes it is going to be a spectacular event, but it is always going to point back to Jesus Christ. And when the Holy Spirit guides you in truth and in knowledge and in wisdom and in understanding, it is always gonna line up with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is never gonna give you brand new revelation that's outside of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is our guide. Scripture says he will guide us into all truth. That means he is keeping us on track with the will of God, the truths of God that have been revealed to us in the word of God. But there is God himself, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit working together in our lives to guide us. Anybody else like me, you um, maybe not know exactly where you're going, so you put it into your GPS, you know, and Siri's telling you to go one way, but then you think you're smarter than Siri, and you're like, I don't know why Siri's telling me to turn left. She didn't know what she's talking about. I lived here my whole life. I'm turning right. And you ignore Siri, and then you're like, man, I'm lost. Can I tell you how many times I've done that with the Holy Spirit? And he's like, hey, go this way. Don't go that way. I'm like, Psh, I know better than you. I don't know better than him. I don't. And I need to yield to what he is saying. I just want us to remember throughout the next week, begin asking the Spirit of God to reveal that sin to you in your life. And again, can I just talk to the wives for a second? Because I am a wife. This should be of real great encouragement for you. The Holy Spirit convicts each one of us of our sin. So wives, it ain't your job to convict your husband of his sin. The next time you wanna tell your husband what he's doing wrong, remember what the psalmist says. Put a guard over my lips, O Lord. Shut the door of my mouth. And you pray that the Holy Spirit will do his job. And you do the job God's called you to do. Wives, that was just for you because I am one and the Lord is teaching me that. So there you go, honey. I will keep the lips of my mouth shut. <laughs> Um, but ask him to reveal that sin to you and then begin turning away from it, even if you don't understand why he's asking you to turn. Just step out in obedience. 
Put your foot out there and trust that he will honor that obedient step. And if you step to the right and you should have stepped to the left, guess what? He is a guide and he will guide you. Ask him to light up the word of God to you. Maybe you have tried to read the Bible and it doesn't make any sense to you. Get you a good NLT, the New Living Translation. Start in the Gospel of John and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I promise you, He will not disappoint you. He loves you and He has a good gift to give to you. And then ask Him that you may begin living a life that will glorify Christ. So the surpassing glory is that of Jesus Christ above everything else. We're about to move into this time of expressions. And during this time, it's a time for us to respond to what God's been saying to us. God has been speaking to us this morning and he is inviting us in. While I was speaking today, maybe God revealed to you that, you know what? I have never actually professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. If the Holy Spirit has revealed that to you today, Praise God. I invite you to go and pray with our pastors and elders who can meet you there, pray with you. And then we invite you into baptism, which would be the next step. Maybe as I was speaking today, the Holy Spirit did convict you of some sin, but you have carried shame around with you and condemnation. And today he wants to give you the gift with setting you free in a spirit of freedom through his Holy Spirit. I invite you, whatever that thing is, that you just haven't been able to let go of, nail it to the cross, give it to Jesus. Maybe for you today, he wants to remind you that you are forgiven, that you are redeemed, that you are a new creation in Christ. And maybe you want to give thanks to him through remembering the body and blood of Jesus Christ through partaking in um, communion this morning. Wherever you are today, I wanna encourage you, the Spirit of God is here. He is hovering over our midst. And some of us, He is indwelling us. And it is, the invitation is, do you want to yield to the Spirit of God today? He has given us a beautiful and precious gift. It is our choice whether or not we cash that check or open that gift, but He's inviting you in this morning. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who is constantly speaking that you are constantly inviting us in. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you will move in this place beyond anything that human words can create, that there is a supernatural process that is going on in this place beyond anything that my mind can comprehend. I love that your word reminds us, Father, that you thunder wondrously with your voice and that you can do things that our minds cannot comprehend. So Father, as I have been praying all week, I continue to press in and ask, Spirit of God, come into this place and do what only you can do. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.